Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with another Hot Commodities episode. Uh, episode 7 of our Divisional Preview Series. The NFC East division very close to Danny's heart as a Dallas yes, Cowboys sir. fan. We limited him on the amount of Dallas Cowboys players he was allowed to talk about here for uh, obvious reasons. Uh, if at any point in this video you get any value from it, hit the like button. Thumbs up. Looks like this. Subscribe to the channel if you're new and uh, leave a comment, interact with us fantasy related. If your fantasy draft's coming up, you found out where you're drafting, you want to know where you should go with your first pick, whatever the case is. Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well. And uh, adding to that, if you guys want a more, a more personal touch to that, we still have our draft guide live. $3 for the regular guide, $15 for the all-in package. And basically with the all-in package, you get one of us, Danny or Bush, as your personal team consultant for the year. Every week, Hop on a call with us, personal call. We'll talk to you about potential trade targets, lineup settings, anything you need to ask us. Heck, you want to ask how we're doing, I don't care. We'll hop on you with a call, and we'll help you guys win your fantasy football championships. But this video is going to help as well. What are we doing today, Corey? Oh, we are going through the top sleepers, the top values, the top busts, the top uh, league winners, and the bounce-back candidates for the NFC East Division. Fantasy football preview. Hit the intro. First up on the docket, we have sleepers of the NFC East. And this is a guy that, as of right now, when I'm recording this, is a very buzzy name right now in the fantasy industry. And I've mentioned this before, but if you're not aware, make sure you guys are paying attention to camp reports. If you're not following uh, beat reporters of other teams and stuff, there's a thread I posted on Twitter a couple months ago where I asked um, if, if you could recommend I follow only one beat reporter for your favorite team, who would it be? And then a bunch of people responded who their favorite beat reporters were, who gave the best information. So if you're new to fantasy football and you don't have a Twitter account, create a Twitter account and go follow everyone in that thread. You'll get great, great information from that. So basically the guy I'm talking about right now is Jalen Rager, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Basically today, his camp reports were very, very positive from a lot of different sources. Um, one report, um, in camp doesn't necessarily mean something, but when you start seeing patterns, when Jalen Rager is getting uh, positive feedback from his coaches, from his quarterback, from other beat reporters and all that stuff, and that just keeps happening day in and day out, every practice, that's when you can spot uh, a breakout player or a sleeper. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Uh, the thing about it is obviously he is a very uh, buzzy name, as you mentioned. I mean, he is the rookie from TCU. He is their first round pick. We saw how depleted that wide receiver core for the Eagles was last year. Ultimately, uh, that's actually going to figure into a name I have later on in this list. But uh, with Jalen Rager, again, we all can't deny the talent. Top five receiver for me in this class. And when he landed on the Eagles, he has a clear opportunity to really establish himself right away. I mean, we figure that the top two tight ends are going to be great targets. I'm sure you're going to get into that later as well. Um, but man, like in terms of the wide receiver one for the team, it's really going to come down to Rager and the guy I'm, I'm going to mention later, but uh, there's a clear path to targets for Rager. So uh, he's definitely a sleeper. He's definitely a guy you want to get at the later portion of your drafts. Yeah. So as you mentioned it, Rager enters a situation with Alshon Jeffrey, perhaps starting the season, not only on the pup list, I think that's a guarantee to happen now because they're, they have no idea what his timetable for return is, 
but he might even be on the IR start the season. Like he might not yeah. be playing at all. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, who they uh, did they trade for Marquise Goodwin? I think they traded for him. They traded for him, and then he uh, actually he added it to, out because to, he's had some talk. family issues over the past couple of years, and he wanted to be with his family. It's an understandable yeah. decision for him. I could and talk so about his, that as well. His uh, only real competition at the receiver position, not including the tight ends or Miles Sanders, is Deshaun Jackson, right. who isn't the model of health himself. And again, according to multiple reports today, Jalen Rager was the starting X in the offense the first day of padded practice which caused quite the buzz in the fantasy industry. Carson Wentz was also quoted as saying, I, I could see an extremely bright future. He's coming up to me and asking about every play. He's really invested in learning, all this good stuff. And again, one day doesn't mean shit, but if this keeps happening, if it, like these reports keep coming out, beat reporters, coaches, quarterback, teammate, whatever, all these guys keep saying nice things about Jalen Rager, it probably means he's going to break out. So the 2020 first round pick, he was a first round talent, as you mentioned. He's a great he was a great talent coming out of TCU, had some quarterback problems. He's not going to have that in the NFL. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback, and apparently they showed a nice connection according to multiple beat reporters today. This is the first day of pad padded practice, again, as I mentioned. Pay attention as drafts approach. If we continue to hear praise, more playing time, all this other stuff for Jalen Rager, he could be this year's Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. These rookie receivers that come into an offense where they have a lot of opportunity and are able to take advantage of that opportunity because they're very good at football. For sure, for sure. Again, uh, you're, you're, you're prefacing uh, the receivers that uh, Goodwin opted out after they actually traded for him. He basically touched up upon it, and uh, he was talking about, uh, well, he recently had a new child. Uh, they've had some complications with him and his wife in terms of, uh, I think, a couple of stillborn uh, children. So basically, he, he wants to be with his family. Totally respectable. Again, if I see anybody on Twitter absolutely bashing people for opting out, I am going to lose it because plain and simple – this is a time we, where we need to be with our family. But aside from that, let's get back to fantasy football because that's why we're here. Jalen Rager has the clear opportunity to really stand out uh, in this offense. Again, I mentioned, while we should expect uh, Goddard, Ertz, and Sanders to really see a receiving role in terms of the pure wide, wide receiver one for the team, it's really going to come down to, as you mentioned, Rager and Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson is not the model of health. So, uh, yeah, definitely a sleeper. Uh, keep in mind – as you mentioned, while these camps are winding down, while we're getting close to the season, if we keep hearing positive praise, he's going to have to move up the rankings. He's going to have to be selected higher because, quite frankly, there's a clear opportunity for him to establish himself. Yeah, and, it's, and as I mentioned, last year, if you were paying attention to Redskins beat reporters, or sorry, Washington football team beat reporters now, um, they said this about Terry McLaurin. Everyone was saying Terry McLaurin looks great. Terry McLaurin's the best receiver on this team. Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin. Guess what? He comes out week one and he kills the Eagles and he becomes like a great pickup that week. Same goes for guys like DJ Chark last year, even though he wasn't a rookie, same exact thing. Everyone was talking up DJ Chark. Same with Devonte Parker pretty much every year, but last year. <laughs> um, well, uh, we'll get off of, uh, of Rager. Who's your uh, first sleeper here? Mine is actually a teammate of the breakout you just mentioned last year. I'm going to mention him later on, so stay tuned for that. But I'm going to talk about Steven Sims Jr., wide receiver from the Washington football team. So, again, I mentioned outside of McLaurin, my pick of the litter for the wide receiver two on the Washington football team actually happens to be Steven Sims. So uh, over those last four games last year, in 2019, once Dwayne Haskins really got situated, felt comfortable in the offense, over those last four games, he had – 36 targets, 20 receptions, 230 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns, which is an incredible pace when you 
put it out for a full season. So again, Haskins clearly leaned on him after the wide receiver two, obviously after McLaurin. And these three youngsters being Haskins, McLaurin, and Sims are primed to build off their rookie years. And it gives me real real hope in taking Sims as kind of a super late dart throw again. I want to mention his ADP. He's currently going off the board as the wide receiver 80. So while maybe you're in a shallow draft, you don't consider him right away. But if you're in a deeper draft, especially with COVID, I mean, he is by far one of the biggest upside plays, in my opinion. So uh, while I've clearly adjusted McLaurin, he's in my top 20 receivers, actually my wide receiver 17. To me, Steven Sims has the clearest path to the second most targets on the team. Again, if you actually break down the situation, just release Darius guys. We don't know how the running game is going to be. Obviously, they have Adrian Peterson. We're hyped about Antonio Gibson. You're going to mention him later. Uh, but after Terry McLaurin, we can't really see where the targets are going to go. I mean, they have uncertainties at tight end. Logan Thomas, Jeremy Sprinkle. After Steven Sims, what, Antonio Gandy-Golden? No, I think Steven Sims is the one that's going to establish himself in the role. Showed the promise last year. And ultimately, he has enough talent to really establish that. So uh, he's definitely my pick there. Again, I imagine super cheap. Wide receiver 80 off the board. I mean, it just makes no sense to me. He, he's a player who should, in my opinion, be in that like 50, 60 type range. But what are your thoughts on Steven Sims? Yeah, he's probably going to be aware. Like he's going to be on your waiver wire. I just had my draft and he's on the waiver wire right now. So I would say Steven Sims is definitely the guy to keep on the end of your bench. You'll probably know what you have in, in week one. You'll know what you have because he'll either get eight targets and be on the field for 85% of the snaps or he'll get two targets and be on the field for 30% of the snaps and you can just cut him and it's no big deal. You probably spent your last round pick on him anyway. So yeah, I definitely, I don't hate the call on Steven Sims. I think someone's going to perform there. The question is how often and how consistent would someone like Steven Sims be? Or is it going to be Antonio Gandy Golden or did they use Antonio Gibson as a receiver? Like we, we don't really know yet, but I think so, it's worth taking a shot on because there is a possibility that Haskins takes like a Jared Goff step forward in year two, or even Alex Smith might be even the fucking quarterback at this point. I don't even know. But uh, one guy, we're going to get into the bus now. This is a guy, I, I don't think I've drafted one share of this dude. Like best ball, redraft, dynasty. Like I am way off this dude. And that's Evan Ingram, tight end for the New York Giants. Ingram's fantastic, all right? He's, he's fantastic at football. When he's on the field, he's fantastic at football. The best ability is availability, and he's never available. The issue is that he has missed, missed 14 career games in his three NFL seasons. And understand this, when me and Danny talk about injuries on here, we don't talk about it from experience. We listen to other people who actually know what they're talking about with injuries, and we relay that information to you guys. Talking about injuries, a Liz Frank surgery takes seven to 10 months to recover, according to fantasy doctors around the industry. And this was sustained in early November. So by that timeline, would put him close to the regular season. And one thing that you also want to be paying attention to is guys coming off of injuries, what their like, status is in camp. And I'm not exactly sure if Evan Ingram is practicing yet, but if he isn't, or if he's delayed, or if he, and he could suffer injuries as a result of this, he could suffer hamstring injuries as a result of overcompensating for his foot or whatever. So just guys coming off of injuries like this is just, they, I don't typically draft guys like this. The Giants passing game on top of all this is also very crowded. Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, all of these guys have their stance. They all are on a similar level, I would say. In terms of a target hierarchy, there's no clear one. There's no clear four. Like, they're all, they could all finish in any given order. And there's really no guarantee that Jones will favor Ingram the way that uh, Eli Manning did when he was the quarterback anyway. So per sports injury predictor, Ingram has the fourth highest possibility among all tight ends at 60%, as well as a projected 2.5 games missed. 
So his upside is super intriguing. I understand that. It's always intriguing with Evan Ingram. But he's not enough of a discount for me to actually be willing to take the risk on him because he's still like a sixth, seventh round pick. And at other positions, you can draft guys like Devontae Parker, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Jarvis Landry, Hollywood Brown, Michael Gallup. All these options are much safer than Ingram. And they honestly provide like the same amount of upside as Ingram too. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see where it comes from. Again, we all know at this point, whenever Ingram is on the field, what he's, able, what he's capable of doing. I mean, he's a top four easy tight end when he is on the field. But as you mentioned, I mean, that, that, that best ability is availability. And quite simply, he hasn't proven it over the course of his career. I still remember last year, uh, <laughs> it's going to sound super dumb uh, talking about it now, but preseason last year, I'm like, okay, whatever. I had gotten basically targeted Mark, uh, Mark Andrews every single draft that was in. And I'm like, you know what? Let me mix it up this draft. I kind of want a, a, an upgrade at tight end. Upgrade, right? So I threw out an offer to the guy who owned Evan Ingram, and he, he ended up accepting uh, Mark Andrews and Devin Singletary for Evan Ingram. First week, I was looking like a genius. You know, 11 targets or 11 catches against Dallas. He was absolutely shred. First few games, oh, my God. Like, this guy is on a fucking mission. Little do I know, fucking goes out after six games basically played. And that, that's what happens. I mean, just in general, like the, a guy like Evan Ingram, he's going to show you amazing flashes when he is on the field. But then it can just go like that because he gets hurt. And that's what we have seen throughout his career. Plain and simple, he has not finished uh, a season. Basically, he may have finished his rookie year, but since then he hasn't finished, correct? Uh, yeah, 2017 he, on. Yeah, he, ah, okay. he, he played, I think it was 10 games last year and he might've yeah. played like 11 the year before or something like that. I, I don't even think he played, or I don't even think he played 10 last year. I think he missed 10 maybe. Oh, okay. Either way. Yeah. He missed like, a lot of games. Yeah. So uh, p- plain and simple. I mean, he's still going off the board as if, you know, he's still in that second tier uh, of tight end. He's going, I believe he's going around wall, like just behind Waller at this point. And to me, like that's, that shouldn't even be close because Waller is Ingram without the injury concerns. So uh, I like Ingram as a talent and it pains me to say that I have him in one of my dynasty leagues, which I also have Hayden Hurst. So, you know, a uh, little, little shout out there, but uh, the injury risk is just way too high to end up taking him over some of those guys, as I mentioned, like a Darren Waller in that range. And if you're going to go tight end, if not, again, you mentioned guys like Michael Gallup, Hollywood Brown, Jarvis Landry, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Devontae Parker should all be taken ahead of them, especially when you consider you can get one of those guys and then you compare them with, say, a Hayden Hurst or a Mike Jasicki or one, one of those guys, tight ends later in the draft. Whereas if you took Evan Ingram and you had to take a running back or receiver in that range, you'd be looking at a much less optimal play. So uh, I I definitely agree with that designation. Moving on to my guy, and it it pains me to say this. This is more so on a consistency basis and a feel for having him on your team. But I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Again, this doesn't have to do with overall talent. I mean, he's likely to finish where he's being ranked, maybe even a little bit higher. I mean, again, he was a top 10 receiver last year. This is more so to do with the feeling of owning him. So, Again, as I mentioned, the, the inconsistencies are well-recorded and evident. And uh, I will show on the screen, but basically his splits in the first eight games of last season compared to his last game, uh, last eight games. So in the first eight, over five catches per game, on over seven targets per game, 87.6 receiving yards and .75 receiving touchdowns per game for an 18.51 PPR points per game. The second half of the season, that number dropped to 4.62 catches per game 61 yards per game and 0.25 of a touchdown or 12.3 points. The difference being 
The first eight games, he was the wide receiver three. The last eight games, wide receiver 36, if you're averaging that over a course of a season. So, I mean, again, he'll likely balance his way and finish in that, like, top 10, top 12 range. But, man, he is going to be such a roller coaster, such a headache to own, that unless you're in a best ball format, if you're taking him in a standard redraft, it just is well – it's well – uh, documented over the course of his career that this is just what you're going to get. I mean, we hope every single year that, oh, you know what? Maybe he takes that next step in his game. Maybe he's a consistent 16-game uh, stud like everybody in the top five. Because let's be honest here. If we could get that from Amari Cooper, he would be a top five receiver in fantasy. But he's not because he isn't. So ultimately here, he's too much of a headache to own. Take him as a wide receiver 12, 37th overall pick. To me, is just a little bit rich. Again, like for value in terms of where he's finishing, I understand it. But in terms of actually owning the guy and dealing with that headache and when do I start him, when do I bench him, I don't know what's going on. Just take safer options. Take a guy like Alvin Ridley, Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup, one of those guys in that range I would prefer. Uh, but yeah, the unpredictability just has him as a bust for me. I 100% agree with that. Amari Cooper is probably one of the least optimal guys to have as your wide receiver one because yeah. you like if he if he has a bad week like you're going to lose like cuz he's your wide receiver one you expect your wide receiver one more often than not probably 60 to 80% of the time to put up like a tw- like a 12 plus point performance at bare minimum and he he can't do that consistently. And the team that he always torches the Eagles now have a good corner. So I mean maybe it gets even worse this year, who knows. Speaking yeah. of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, my first uh, my value uh, of this entire division is Zach Ertz, and I've talked about him before, uh, so I'll kind of skim through some of these points. But the objections with Zach Ertz are pretty well documented. Dallas Goddard is one of them. Uh, they ran the highest twelve personnel in the league last year, and it wasn't even close. Ertz had 134 targets last year, which was number two at the tight end position, and 156 in 2018, which was number one at the position. And Goddard was there both years, so. They have enough volume for both those tight ends. And the next objection has always been, he's their only option. All their receivers were hurt, right? You are correct. He has been the only option, and he still is the only option as of right now. As I talked about with Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager is really the only threat, in my opinion, to targets for, from Zach Ertz at the receiver position because I don't expect Deshaun Jackson to play more than like six games. Marquise Goodwin's already opted out of the season. Alshon Jeffrey might not even suit up the whole year. Carson Wentz has literally been accused by his teammates of over-targeting Zach Ertz also. So I don't expect his targets to be any lower than like 120 targets, which is still a 15 target uh, decrease from last year, even if that did happen. And if he gets 120 targets, I can promise you he's going to be a top three tight end. So the additions they made this off season really hardly say big time competition. I think they're, they're nice additions and they'll probably help, but they're not going to just move the needle completely off of Zach Ertz for me. Uh, Djax has played like uh, he played one game last year and he played like 10 games the year before like he's not doing much Jeffrey was said to be a big part of the Eagles offense at some point but they have no timetable for his return Rager's a rookie receiver could experience growing pains we hope he's good but if he does experience growing pains this is going to be the Zach Ertz show and it's really not even going to be anyone else's opportunity to do anything if it's if it's just Zach Ertz there yeah, I mean, I, I do like Ertz as a value. Again, you mentioned top three. I have him at my five currently, and that's simply because I do prefer uh, what you're getting with Andrews and Waller. But again, he's I have him at five too, but I expect him to finish in top five guaranteed. Like, it, Easily. it would shock me a lot more if Ertz was not a top five tight end than if Andrews or Waller weren't. That's definitely fair. Yeah, I, I, I like Ertz, as you mentioned. Uh, 
kind of disagree with the DJX, but I'll get into that later. But I mean, there's no arguing. Ertz is the number one target for Carson Wentz. You mentioned the targets. You mentioned his propensity, plain and simple, to target the tight end and running back positions. I mean, Carson Wentz, all these Eagles fans are like, oh, Dink and Dak. Ha, ha, ha. Well, his two favorite targets are his running back and tight end positions for Carson Wentz. So I don't know what that argument is. I mean, to be fair, those are the two best players on his team. Oh, easily. But I mean, even when he had Alshon and those guys in their prime, I mean, plain and simple that he's always liked throwing it to his tight ends, the security of uh, the position. Again, I'm not going to argue because let's be honest. I saw Jason Wynn fucking get that many targets. Basically Zach Ertz is the new Jason Wynn. If you want to compare it. Yeah, pretty much plain and simple. So uh, definitely like that designation as a value. He's slipping in your drafts, plain and simple. He, and he does will. provide that yeah, he because everybody's bored of him. Yeah. But uh, anyways, talking about a little bit of the Cowboys Eagles rivalry, I'm actually gonna go back to another Cowboy, another Cowboys receiver. I mentioned Amari Cooper as a bust. On the flip side, the value is Michael Gallup. So this is the basically the forgotten man of the receiving core in Dallas for whatever reason. Plain and simple, an NFL observer knows Amari Cooper because of the star-studded talent, top five pick, yada, yada, yada. We know the story about Amari Cooper. Everybody knows CeeDee Lamb because he was, oh, my God, how did this guy fall to 17? He's the best receiver in the class. That's everybody's reaction. But nobody talks about Michael Gallup, the receiver who broke out in his sophomore season just last year. So, again, if you're looking at him uh, him for 2019, Gallup had 113 targets in the 14 games he played, which was over eight per game, a pace of 129 targets across a full 16 games, and, again – just his second year. So again, he was a wide receiver 17 in PPR points per game. And that was despite only having six receiving touchdowns and being second in the league in drops. Again, 190 vacated targets from the team. That's what's going to go to CD Lamb. That's what's going to go to Blake Jarwin. That's not going to be taken away, or uh, those guys aren't going to be taken away from Michael Gallup's share. So ultimately here, Gallup will be a weekly wide receiver too. It's currently being had at the end of the sixth round. So he's just a flat-out steal. Again, wide receiver 31, 70th overall player off the board. It's just a crime because plain and simple, 1,100-yard, six-touchdown campaign in the 14 games he played last year. He's going to take the step up as a receiver. Again, he's going into his third year, still young, led the league in drops last year, much, much space to improve. And ultimately here, he's my wide receiver 22. And if I had to take him at – like mid to late fourth round value that's probably more appropriate than where he's currently going at the end of the six so just in general if you're able to get this guy as your wide receiver two wide receiver three at that late portion of the draft i mean that is just a flat out steal take that value and run with it because michael gallup provides you that consistency in your lineup so that's my that's my pick for value yeah, um, mid fourth probably a little rich for me. I would probably not take pick him until like the if he was like a mid like a mid to late fifth round pick, I'd probably be out on it That's there. Fair. But sixth round, seventh round, yeah, hundred percent. If we start hearing CD Lamb shit in camp, he's gonna fall. Even we already are. We already yeah. are. And he's <laughs> okay. If we are hearing that already, I don't really pay attention to Cowboys Twitter. Yeah, pissed me off. But um, <laughs> yeah, if he's gonna fall to the eighth, ninth round, as soon as you start hearing CD Lamb's impressing in camp, CD Lamb starting in the slot, CD Lamb's like all this shit that you're going to hear about CD Lamb because it's going to happen. It already has apparently. So 
With that being said, Michael Gallup, just go get him. He's going to be a top 15 receiver the first couple weeks of the season, and you can flip him for someone else. That's my opinion on him. I think he's going to get off to a hot start because CeeDee Lamb is probably going to take a little bit. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he is this great prospect that everyone thinks he is. I was lower on CeeDee Lamb. I thought he was was, the best receiver in the class. I was extremely high on him. I mean, I've already said you guys are going to be seeing this after the video with Mikey by now. But my bold prediction, again, for this year, we're going to go a little more bold predictions later, closer to the season. But they've been talking about it in camp. I'm not just taking what they're saying in camp to mouth, but this is the one I'm going to say. They will be the first wide receiver trio since the 2008 Cardinals. I'll have all of them go over 1,000 yards. I'm telling you this right now. I'm telling you this right now. Please, I know you're like, okay, here yeah, we go. Well, Cowboy boys. Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller are going over 1,000 yards this year. <laughs> Scotty oh, yeah. caught a 90 yard touchdown pass. For I, Tom Brady and I, I, yeah, you said that. Out. Anyway, so <laughs> on to our, our league winners. And Antonio Gibson's the name that's coming up here. Calm down. Calm down. Antonio Gibson's the league winner, but calm down. I'm not suggesting you draft him super high. I would say no higher than round eight or nine max on Antonio Gibson. He's going to struggle early on in the season. He's going to. He's not going to be on the field right away. And if he is, he's going to make some mistakes. He's new to the position. He primarily played wide receiver in college. He wasn't even a running back in college. Like he took touches out of the backfield, but he was primarily a wide receiver. It's going to take him a couple of weeks to get used to NFL speed and to get used to the running back position in general. He may be someone to even straight up avoid in drafts if you don't even want to draft him, but keep him on waiver wire speed dial slash like when we start doing trade targets videos midweek uh, during the season, which we will be doing. Um, People will see Adrian Peterson carrying the workload and be like, what the fuck is happening here? This is a wasteland. Like no one's going to be a value here. That's when you can trade for Antonio Gibson because Antonio Gibson's value is probably as high as it's ever going to be. Maybe it gets higher with more camp stuff that comes out, but he's going to be, people are going to look at him and, and go into drafts targeting him. So if you want to avoid him and trade for him later, I think that could be the smart play to do. It's, it's what I intend on doing, but I could definitely see him being a second half of the year type guy. We saw a guy who had limited touches in college in 2017, a rookie running back at the University of Tennessee, carried fantasy owners to fantasy titles with his incredible back half of the season. That guy's name is Alvin Kamara. The same incumbent veteran in the backfield was the guy he supplanted. Adrian Peterson was the guy he actually took over the job from, ironically. So if, if Antonio Gibson can improve and impress, him, impress during the season, maybe get some work on special teams, get some explosive touches out of the backfield. We could see him cement himself as a pass catching back in the, uh, in the Washington offense and maybe even eat into work uh, Peterson's workload on the ground as the season goes on by week nine, we could be talking about an electric athlete who's commanding like five to eight targets per game and like six to 10 carries similar to what Alvin Kamara got his rookie year. He never got more than 12, tar- uh, 12 carries in a game his rookie year. He doesn't need that kind of uh, carry volume. He needs receptions, which is what Gibson does best. So, I love him for the back half of the season, not necessarily during the uh, the beginning of the season. But if you have to draft him, I would say like early double digit rounds, maybe the ninth round, and stash him on your bench. Yeah, I mean, to me too, especially uh, a great play. Even if you want, like Adrian Peterson's going late as well. If you could maybe even stack them, you balance it out. Adrian Peterson Peterson's going to give you a little floor at the beginning of the season, while Antonio Gibson provides that upside for the later portion of the season. That wouldn't even be bad either. You get them as your RB4, RB5, or RB5, RB6, and you're fucking, you're you're blessed. I would probably only do that if I was in like a super deep league with like four flexes. Cause like then I think that's when Adrian Peterson's the value in this division is if you have like a super deep league. 
everyone will overlook Adrian Peterson. But Easily. if you're in a league like that, you can get eight to ten, eight to sixteen points out of Adrian Peterson every single week. But yeah, Antonio Gibson has the has the potential. If you have not seen his player profiler, like how electric of an athlete this dude and this is. Tape. Uh, shameless plug here. If you go to the description right now where it says get the draft guide here or the fantasystockexchange.com, you can get the draft guide through either of those methods. I wrote up Antonio Gibson for the draft guide and in the film clips that you see there, he's, he's a coach's wet dream. He's like a guy like Kyle Shanahan would literally love to have a dude like this because he is electric in space. Yeah, just think about how uh, in general these Memphis running backs have been, plain and simple. Antonio yeah, Gibson he's is much the better best. Than Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard's a great player. Yeah, no, he he is. I love Tony Pollard. I love Daryl Henderson. But Gibson, in terms of freak athleticism, in terms of tape, in terms of efficiency, is the best of that backfield. Uh, better than Gamewell, too. Yeah, both we'll, we'll, we'll take two because Gamewell is going to be a top three round pick next year as well. But I mean, you said it all with Gibson. The upside is tremendous. Maybe the floor. Is lower oh, the because floor, we haven't the floor seen is it. Darwin Thompson. The floor is he is useless in fantasy. This but, year. That's why I'm saying don't use like a top eight round pick on him because he could be useless in fantasy. Yeah. This year. Like he might not even get on the field. Maybe Bryce Love outplays him. Like it's possible. But I do expect because this coaching regime drafted him, they're going to favor him over guys like Bryce Love. Agreed. And I don't even expect, I honestly don't even expect Peyton Barber to make the team anymore. I think that was like a signing going into the draft. And now that Love is healthy and, and Gibson is on the team. I think they're going to cut Peyton Barber. So, again, I said, keep an eye on keep an eye on Antonio Gibson because I think he's going to at some point this season he's going to be the number one waiver wire ad or the number one trade yeah. target you're looking for. I said that because we don't shoot for fourth, fifth, sixth place. We shoot yeah. for first. And if you want to shoot for first, you get a guy like Antonio Gibson. So I love that. Uh, my league winner is a guy that I I won't fucking shut up about. I mean, I've talked about this guy's name basically throughout the fucking offseason since the season ended, whatever you want to say. But it's Terry McLaurin. I mentioned his teammate, Steven Sims. Well, now you get an upgrade and you talk about Terry McLaurin, the, the wide receiver one for the Washington football team. So, again, we can break down last year's numbers. 58 receptions, 919 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns in only 14 games. So if you pace that out across 16 – that goes to 66 catches, 1,050 receiving yards, and eight touchdowns over a projected 16-game season. Despite being in the worst situation of any what number one receiver in the entire league. So, again, the, the Redskins bring in Ron Rivera, who we have seen over the years. I mean, Steve Smith, DJ Moore, and even the year of Kelvin Benjamin has been able to support a number one receiver as a head coach. So, I mean, if you're looking at it, Terry was even better than the stats showed last year. Again, I mentioned those stats. But there was numerous times where he was streaking open down the field, could have caught a fucking 50-yard bomb, whatever, and was just missed. And that is something that I do expect to improve for this season. Again, with the year of maturing in the NFL for both him and Dwayne Haskins, I see Terry McLaurin as a legit boom candidate. We could even finish as a top 10, top 8 wide receiver maybe if he takes that step up and Dwayne Haskins ultimately improves. The reason why I am so optimistic with Dwayne uh, Haskins in terms of improving from last year to this year, is if you actually look at his first four starts versus his last five, his efficiencies, completion percentage, touchdown interception ratio, all of that improved drastically over the stretch of the year. So ultimately here, if you're getting Terry McLaurin and you're getting an improved Dwayne Haskins, I do think this is a guy who, when it's all said and done going into 2021, could he be coming off of a 1,300-yard, 8-9 touchdown campaign? Because quite simply, he has the talent to be able to do that.
yeah, McLaurin's fucking awesome. He's he's one of my like I'm gonna keep tooting this horn because I I was the only guy on Terry McLaurin during that draft cycle. Everyone was on Paris Campbell. Terry McLaurin didn't have the breakout age. He said the same thing about Henry Ruggs. I the reason I love Terry McLaurin or Henry Ruggs so much is because he reminded me so much of Terry McLaurin. That was that was my comparison for him. Except he's faster, which is is fucking insane. Um, but uh, Terry McLaurin is also not a small dude, too. I, I I don't know why he has this like stigma of being like a small receiver. Like he's, Every, he's like two hundred fifteen pounds, isn't he? Everybody who's fast is small. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, he, he's no, he, got size on him. He can play like they can. I hope they move him around in the slot and stuff. Like use him like DJ Moore. Like that's what I hope they use him for. Oh and man, Scott he, Turner is their OC um, right now, who is North Turner's son. So it's like the same system, yeah. which also probably gets you excited even more about Antonio Gibson because they might use him like Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> they already called him Christian McCaffrey in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, they already referred to him as Christian McCaffrey, which is <laughs> fucking wild. But yeah. anyway, off Terry McLaurin, everyone knows he's a fucking stud. If he's there Easy. in your fifth, sixth round, just smash all day because Easy. he's going to return value on that. I absolutely promise you that is going to happen. Wide receiver 26 ADP. He is currently my wide receiver 17. Take that value and run with it. And the only reason he was even that low is because of the question mark with Dwayne Haskins with legitimate top 10 upside, might I add. But go ahead. Take it away, Corey. Who's your next player? All right. So plug your ears, Danny. Bounce back candidate, Carson Wentz. Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles quarterback. The Eagles offense, If I don't know if anyone notices this, but I've noticed this for the past couple of years. Every time they've had a dependent field stretcher on their team, they have been a very good offense. In 2017, Torrey Smith, not that good, right? but he has deep speed. He stretches out defenses. That's what he did for the offense. He was basically a decoy in 2017, and their offense was electric because of it. 2018, they signed Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace goes down, I believe it was like week three or four. Those first three weeks, they were very good. Last year, week one, Deshaun Jackson was their deep threat. Awesome week one, right? They went off week one, but then Deshaun Jackson gets hurt, doesn't play another game. Ertz, Goddard, Miles Sanders, and Alshon Jeffries' jobs were all easier uh, when there was a guy with deep speed on the field. It also made Wentz's life a lot easier as well. As I mentioned, in 2017, Torrey Smith filled the role. 2018, it was Mike Wallace. 2019, it was briefly Deshaun Jackson. The Eagles offense has struggled to rekindle the 2017 magic since they had a, a field stretcher stay healthy. Like, that's the reason that it's happened. What, what did they do to fix it? They added not one, not two, not, and, but three field stretching options. I know one of them opted out of the season, but it just shows you – how much they realize that that is a big part of their offense, that they need that speed to their offense. So without Goodwin, they do have DJX, they do have Jalen Rager that can spread defenses vertically and allow uh, Wentz to potentially refine his 2017 like MVP caliber form that he was playing at. These are the splits when those guys were in the lineup. So when one of Torrey Smith, Mike Wallace, or Deshaun Jackson was in the lineup, I'll have Danny put this up on the screen right now. The big thing here is he had 2.11 touchdowns per game. That's like nearly 0.75 more touchdowns per game. He had more PPR points by like three. He was passing the ball at a similar passing yardage rate, but the yards per attempt is the key number. You see at 7.35 yards per attempt with a field stretcher and 6.8 without. 7.35 is very good. 6.8 is like very pedestrian. That, it's a big deal to their offense. They, he also threw more picks too, which is another thing. Um, even though he actually passed the ball less times too. In when they had the field stretcher. So Wentz's efficiencies were the reason that we were off him in 2018. If you remember coming off his 2017 season, everyone was like, oh, Carson Wentz's touchdown rate's going to regress. That's because he was super good because he had a super efficient offense. If Jalen Rager is who we think he is, even if he's not, if Deshaun Jackson played 10 games and then Jalen Rager is who we think he is by the second half of the season, this offense is going to be humming. I promise you that. 
the tight ends can carry the load over the middle of the field, as can Miles Sanders. They just need someone on the outside to stretch the field. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do like uh, Carson Wentz as a bounce back candidate. I do think he's going to be a quarterback one again this year. Uh, it's just in general. He wasn't necessarily good. bad either. He just like had more expectations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, it kind of segues into my guy. Uh, I'll quickly mention Wentz. Yes, when when he does have that field structure, you can definitely see that the offense is humming at a much better pace. Otherwise, it's basically just centralized. It's basically just dump offs. Everything you mentioned the air spare attempt clearly evidences that point. But this is the key guy, in my opinion. Uh, yes, Jalen Reger as well. But we've alluded to him all video, pretty much. And that's Deshaun Jackson. That is going to be my bounce back for this year. Again, when he was on the field last year, averaged over 50 yards per game, had two touchdowns in those three games. He, he is the piece on the offense that is crucial to their success. Again, to me, when healthy, Deshaun Jackson is primed to still be the, the Eagles wide receiver one on a per-game basis. Yes, I do expect him to miss games. I do think Jalen Rager ultimately may lead the position in targets. But when we're talking on a per-game basis, I mean, Deshaun Jackson is absolutely going to be electric, and he can basically be had almost free in drafts at this point. Wide receiver 66, 172nd overall in ADP is pretty laughable because if he's even able to play 12, 13 games, he should near that – we'll say 800 receiving yards. And if he is, oddly enough, able to finish 16, which could very well happen because uh, plain and simple, yes, injuries are hard, hard to yeah, easier to predict for guys like Deshaun Jackson. But if he ever has a season where he's able to stay healthy, I mean, this is a guy 13, who – If he plays 13 games, he should have like a thousand return on value. Exactly. Like he, should, he should near a 1,000 yards in general. I mean, he is the – piece of the offense that is crucial to their success you mentioned the splits of Carson Wentz when he does have that deep that you saw it Torrey Smith Nelson Aguilar guys like that that were really humming in this offense Deshaun Jackson is the best out of all of them plain and simple smash it in the first three games last year yes three games is a small sample size but it just goes to show how much of an impact he made versus the first three games versus the Eagles offense the last 13 games so I mean, if you're getting this guy in the last round of your draft, pretty much is where he's going. Wide receiver 66 overall. I mean, to me, he's pure upside. You want to get a guy like this on basically every single one of your teams. You want to mix safe floors on your bench with high upside. And this is a guy who can have a league winning, uh, or sorry, week winning type upside on any single given week, especially if you're in your best ball, first of all. Especially in week one, too, because yeah. this dude, you pick him in the last round. Every DFS round. Drafted, you can start him in week one because he plays, yeah. the, he plays the Washington football team and he torched them last year. And he also was the wide receiver one the last two years when he was in Tampa in 2018. He was also the wide receiver one in week one that year, too. Week one is Deshaun Jackson week. Like, it's he just does well in week one, mainly probably because he's healthy in week one. So. <laughs> I, I love this pick for the per game nature of it. I obviously Jalen Rager is 100% going to be a better asset over the whole season, but however long Deshaun Jackson's on the field this year, whether it be two games, four games, eight games, 13 games, 16 games, however long he's on the field, he's probably going to be a, a, a flexible starter. You can flex him wide receiver three type uh, upside with like a wide receiver one performance in his For back sure. pocket if he catches a few touchdowns. <laughs> and the, the funny thing about him is that he's listed of playing in three games when realistically he, he only – He played in one. Yeah. He, he, he barely – he played gingerly against the Falcons. I mean, I believe what it was his ribs that was bothering him in the Falcons game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I think it was his ribs. Yeah, 
And then he had one catch in the third week against Chicago. But when he was fully healthy and operating as the number one outside receiver for the Eagles. He had nine targets. Nine targets, eight receptions, 154 yards, and two receiving touchdowns against the Redskins. And guess who he plays week one again this year? The Washington Redskins. The Washington football team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. WFA or WFD, whatever. Anyways, anything else you want to add on the division or should we get out of here, Corey? Yeah, I know this was kind of a boring division. Sorry, Danny, but um, <laughs> there is some value to be had in this division, especially with the Eagles, in my opinion. I think the Eagles the of, of these offenses is the best one to target because I think all the guys are kind of sleep, not, not sleepers, but oh, okay. their values are like undervalued kind of thing. Like there's no one in this offense aside from Miles Sanders, that's really getting a lot of like hype and a lot of buzz when I think this offense is going to be pretty good. I think, I think the Eagles offense is going to be able to move the ball pretty well, but uh, anything else you want to add before I uh, get us out of here? Uh, not much. Just uh, other than that, they may have some value in their fancy drafts, but we all know who the 2020 NFC East division champs are going to be. All right. They're right we're behind me. Down before he goes on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, guys checking out everything we're doing draft guide, as I mentioned in the description, if you want to, practice your draft skills with some best ball drafts. Make sure to use our code on drafters, uh, code FSE when you sign up, get a 50% matchback uh, bonus there. Discord channel, link is in the description. If you want to join that with the drafts coming up, if you're new to fantasy football, maybe this is the first fantasy football video you're watching, join that Discord. There's plenty of other uh, knowledgeable fantasy players in there that can help give you advice if me and Danny are not available, which we always are because we're always on our phones because we're degenerates. We're degenerates. (laughs) Yeah, we're complete degenerates. So with that being said, guys, take care. Enjoy your Thursday. Peace out, y'all.